Well, hello. Welcome back to Habit Helps, a podcast of Creekside Community Church in San Leandro, California, where we talk about how habits build you and about how you can build better habits. My name is Jeff Bruce. I'm a pastor. I'm joined by another pastor. He happens to be a pastor at Creekside. He happens to be my dad. His name happens to be John Bruce. He happens to be sitting right next to me. Dad, how do you happen to be? <laughs> I am happening. You are. You are what's happening. <laughs> I am what's happening now. <laughs> I'm well, thank you. Good. Uh, well, good to be with you. Today we're going to continue our series on dirty deeds, these deeds of the flesh that Paul talks about throughout his letters. And our theme verse for the series is Romans 8.13, where Paul says this, For if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. All of us come into the Christian life with habits, with the flesh, these sinful tendencies, these patterns of living that reside in our bodies. And even though we have new spirits in Christ, we still have these old bodies filled with these old evil habits. And Paul says that they aren't to be coddled or even beat up, but to be killed, to be mortified. And if we don't do that, they'll kill us. That's why the Puritan John Owen said, be killing sin or it will be killing you. And so, so much of the Christian life isn't just developing good habits, but it's identifying the bad habits, killing those so that we have room to cultivate the good habits, Uh, because as Aquinas said, only habit can overcome habit. So we're talking about how to identify and crucify these dirty deeds, these habits that we bring into the Christian life, and we've talked about a bunch of them, pride, greed, anger, and lust, and today we talk about my favorite, one that's near and dear to my heart, Dad, and that is sloth. Dad, I know you've put a lot of work into this podcast today. I'm so glad because (laughs) I did not have time, and it's just so fitting. I uh, did not make time to do this, Uh, and I'd like to think that it's because uh, I didn't have time, but perhaps Paul would say it's because of sloth. Paul calls it idleness, Dad. He talks about that in a number of places. Uh, The Old Testament calls it sloth. We would call it laziness, today. Um, Here's my first question for you. Um, I don't think most people think of sloth as very dangerous or dirty or deadly. Right. I remember at the beginning of COVID, I forget who said it, but they said, it's the first time where we can save the world by sitting on our couch and doing nothing. (laughs) So often uh, laziness or doing nothing has almost a positive connotation. It's better than doing something bad. So the Bible would say something else, So, but was, why is laziness or sloth so bad? Um, why is it so dangerous? That's a good question. I, um, I think of Proverbs 18, 9, which says, He who is slack in his work is brother to him who destroys. In other words, sloth is just as destructive as someone who intentionally goes out to destroy. And the story that, it's an old story, but that, that brought this home for me. Um, In the 1972 Olympics, uh, there was a young 16-year-old U.S. swimmer named Richard, uh, Rick DeMott, and uh, world record holder. um, He came in first in the 400 free, which is the first of seven races to to run, and got the the medal and everything. The next day, the uh, Olympic committee uh, told him he had failed his drug test. And... uh, they had found uh, on in him, um, oh, I've got it somewhere here, 
Drugs. Drugs. <laughs> bad drugs. Bad, bad drugs. But anyway, um, epidrine. And and uh, so they just not only disqualified him, but they sent him home. He couldn't compete in the other records. Well, what had happened was in an earlier meet that year, he suffered from real asthma. And after one event um, at the, I think it was at the, uh, the Olympic qualifying meet, he was unable to breathe. So he went to the physician that was attending the meet and was given a, a drug called Marax, which nobody knew it contained ephedrine. And so he, as he filled out all of his paperwork for the Olympics and for the U.S. Olympic team, include Marax and stuff like that, nobody ever bothered to look up what was in Marax. Hmm. And, and so because of some bureaucrats, lack of diligence, this guy lost his whole Olympic moment. The, he was unable to swim in, the, in the, the, the event that he held the world record in. And for 32 years, he was labeled a drug cheat. And it wasn't until 2001 that the Olympic Committee finally came out and and excused him and said it wasn't his fault. But they never gave him his gold medal. And so to me, that's an example of just how destructive just not following through and doing your job can be. What that gets at, too, is we think of sloth as just inactivity. Right. Sloth or idleness can also be shoddy work. Yeah. Um, just oversight, yeah. rushing to get things done. Right. Um, or, or, or just not being diligent in making sure we're doing what we do with excellence. Yes. That, that's an all, and, and that's a great example of that. Yeah. That uh, just this oversight essentially ruins what this man had worked for for his entire life. Exactly. Yeah. It's, it's, it's interesting that the two animals that Proverbs uses to illustrate sloth are sloths. And slugs, mm -hmm. and and sloths um, are the slowest moving animal in the world, and and uh, uh, you know it's a one-celled protozoa moves faster than a sloth does trying to escape from a from a python, you know, and a sloth will starve to death if food food is not easily within reach, and and slugs will you know, are very slow and they'll come to a pebble and they'll sit there rather than just going around the pebble, they'll think about it for, for an hour or so before they move. So it's, it's pretty graphic in terms of how Solomon illustrates the sin of sloth. Yeah. And, and so, so one danger is obviously it's destructive to others that if we aren't diligent, we don't realize the degree to which other people rely on our diligence yeah. for their own well-being. Yeah. And we could extrapolate that out to construction projects, building codes, the manufacturing of cars, the maintenance of roads, all of these material things in the world. We just take for granted that people were not slothful in their work yeah. or diligent, and we reap the benefits of that every day. Yeah, yeah, um, exactly. Uh, and yet there are tremendous consequences to being wrong. Oh, yeah. I mean, you look at the, any earthquake in, in a third world country and all the people that are killed because of shoddy building codes. Mm -hmm. And or they don't have building codes. They just put up things helter skelter, and they collapse when there's a when there's an earthquake. Right, and well, and in that case, that would just yeah. I mean, part of that is that they just don't have the benefit of living <laughs> with industrialization too. And, yeah. Uh, yeah. Right, and 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 so they kind of do what they have to do. Um, but the excellence of what we benefit from, yeah. we, we certainly don't recognize often. As, yeah, uh, exactly. You know, we just kind of take it for granted that, yeah. it, that it should be that way. Yeah. So, yeah, so it's dangerous to other people. Any other dangers you can see with, with, uh, 
slothfulness, idleness? Well, let's talk about um, just how to how to diagnose whether you're a sloth, and I think that the dangers will become very clear as we talk about some uh, some of the ways. How do you know if you are lazy? Great. So, how do I know if I am lazy? Dad? Well, tell me. Well, one question I ask, I would ask, is do you think you're lazy? Do you think you're lazy? Because Proverbs says in Proverbs twenty six sixteen. The sluggard is wiser in his own eyes than seven men who can give a discreet answer. <laughs> and what that says is that the sluggard doesn't think he's a sluggard. Yeah. The sluggard thinks he's smart and that he is just not putting in um, the, the effort that, that dumb people have to put in. That, that sloth really is a result of, is, is a lack of humility. It's thinking that I won't reap what I sow, yeah. that I, I can outthink, that I can beat the system. So, right. so I find that people who think of themselves as lazy usually aren't. Yeah. And people who don't think they're lazy usually are. Yeah. So that's, that would be one Yeah, side. so if you have no awareness of this, uh, that's the first exactly. warning that, sign. Exactly. Yeah, and, and, and you sense that, you know, uh, every get-rich-quick kind of offer that comes on the TV, it's like, do you see all these morons slaving away? Yeah. Well, you can earn 18% returns on this. Exactly. So I, I saw a comedian do a sketch on how to get rich quick selling get-rich-quick schemes to other people. <laughs> and just like, this is the ultimate level of cheating the system to, to, to get rich quick. But it is that sensibility that, um, yeah, the world, they're all kind of... They're not in the know. Yes, right. If, if, if they really knew how the world works, there's there's ways to get what you need without having to work exactly. for it, which goes against everything Proverbs says yes. about reward and work, and that basically sweat and hard work are always necessary exactly. to receive blessing. That's so true. So true. So that's one way. Yeah. Think, thinking that I can get stuff without having to really put in the effort yeah. for it. Um, a second one for diagnosing sloth is, do I make small, soft choices? Um, Proverbs nine, Proverbs six nine through eleven. How long will you lie down, O sluggard? When will you arise from your sleep? A little sleep, a little slumber, a little folding of the hands to rest. Small things, and your poverty will come in like a vagabond, and your need like an armed man. So, so sloth doesn't come on you all at once, but sloth is just the result of small, soft choices. Oh, I'll put that off for a day. I'll sleep in a little longer. I'll relax today. I don't really feel like doing this today. And those become a habit of life until you're a sluggard. Yeah, yeah as Jim Gaffigan said with uh, hitting the snooze button, for my first decision of the day, I will go back to bed. <laughs> it's just, that's exactly what it is, right? You're just yeah. setting yourself up to make soft choices exactly. for the rest of the day, right? Yeah. No, laziness casts into a deep sleep. And an idle man will suffer hunger, says Proverbs 19.15. The lazy person thinks their problem is a lack of sleep. That if I just sleep a little more, I'll have more energy. And, and that's not wrong. The reason you don't have energy is because you're lazy. And, and, and so really, laziness makes you tired. Idleness drains your energy. Yeah. While working replenishes it. Yeah. So that's some of the small choices. And you could relate it to food, you could relate it to watching TV, you could relate anything that feels really easy and good on the front end will probably leave you feeling um, unfulfilled at the back end or worse. Yeah, and, and I think the, the way God has created work and rest is to exist in this complementary sort of relationship. So if you're, you're working hard, the chances are, in many cases, you'll sleep better 
And, yes. You know, it's not always the reason you'll have struggle sleeping, but if you work hard, you'll rest better and you'll create this kind of complementary relationship between exactly. the two. Yeah. 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 And that, and I think that's more of a challenge today because so much of work for so many people is mental yeah. and they don't have the physical work. Right. And, and so you don't have, they can't see that uh, connection. Um, another way to identify sloth is do you feel like you're always busy but accomplishing little? And uh, Proverbs 12, 11 says, He who tills his land will have plenty of bread, but he who pursues vain things lacks sense. And Proverbs 14, 23 says, In all labor there is profit, but mere talk leads only to poverty. And so, so the inability to focus, the inability to begin a task and carry it all the way through to completion is a sign of sloth. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think a lot of times uh, people are always busy, but they're busy with the wrong things, yeah. and they're, in, they're unable to focus on things. And, and that brings up a great point, because sometimes people have the idea that the sluggard is someone who just lacks desire. Yeah. They just not have enough passion, enough energy. But yeah. uh, Proverbs thirteen four says the soul of the sluggard craves yes. and gets nothing, while the soul of the diligent is richly supplied. And so you can have all these dreams, cravings, desires, all these big ideas for your life, but if you are unable to work steadily toward a hard thing, yeah, that's a sign of slothfulness exactly. in your life. Yeah, exactly. That's a great point. Yeah, the, the the problem with the slothful person is not they lack ambition. It's just they can't translate that ambition into real-life decisions. Disciplined work. And disciplined work to get things done. They have have just as great a desires. Someday, this this will happen to me. Someday, my ship will come in. Someday, I'll meet the right person. Someday, I'll get a great job. Someday, someday, someday. Rather than saying, no, for that to happen... Here's the path. Here's the path I've got to take to get there. Yep. And that's a huge difference between the sloth and the, the diligent person. Um, and that brings to another one, um, I, I think, it, uh, is are you always in a rush to get things done? You feel like you're always sprinting. Um, and, and I think the reason is, that Proverbs 21.5 says, the plans of the diligent lead surely to advantage, but everyone who is hasty comes surely to poverty. So a sloth isn't just a person who doesn't do anything. It could be a person who's doing too many things and is so unfocused and trying to catch up all the time. Because the, the contrast Solomon makes here between, uh, is between um, uh, haste and diligence. Mm. So haste is just as much a part of being slothful, that inability to focus as, as diligence. Or trying to do too much. Yeah, trying to do too much. Too, too exactly. much and being pulled in too many different directions. Exactly. No, and procrastination is the great example of that, yeah. right? Where you're, you're putting something off, putting something off. There's a great TED talk about that, about what's going on in your mind. And eventually the panic monkey comes in yeah. <laughs> and just starts screaming at you. And you just know, oh my gosh, this is happening. This is, you know, I'm, the train is about to hit me, so I've got to move, right? And, uh, yeah. and and if you need that constantly, you become addicted to that way. That was me in college, right? Yeah. I, uh, yeah. I, uh, I, I could always pull off an all-nighter to get an A. Yeah. And, uh, and sadly, I, I wish my professors had given me a lower grade sometimes because it just, it, what it always built in me was this thought, I can always pull it off last It's minute. reinforcing a bad It just habit. reinforced the bad behavior yeah, all the yeah, time. Yeah. Yeah. I think it, it, the, the slothful person believes there is an ideal time to take action. Bingo. You know what I mean? 
Uh, Proverbs 20, verse 4 says, The sluggard does not plow after the autumn, so he begs during harvest and has nothing. The harvest, after, after the harvest is winter, and winter is a lousy time to plow. It really is. It's cold out there. Um, you know, you, you don't have to plow. You can take some time off. The, the ground's often frozen. It's harder to plow and stuff like that. But if you don't plow then, you won't get your seed in the ground in time for the growing season and harvest. And so there is there is a time you've got to plow in order to get the whole process or else you'll miss miss everything else. Um, or uh, Proverbs 22, 13, the sluggard says there's a lion outside. I'll be... <laughs> You know, you can always, a sluggard can always find a good reason for not doing what he should do. There might be a lion in the street, you know, and this is an exaggeration. It's humorous, I think, because there were lions in Palestine, but very few of them were ever found in the street, you know, just like there's mountain lions in the hills around here, but very few of them are walking Uh, down the street. I shall never work out where there might be a lion outside. (laughs) Exactly. Exactly. So, ideal time, ideal situation. We can always talk ourselves out of working because we can rationalize and say, well, there's a better time. There's a more convenient time. Yeah. I mean, I think about it in terms of sermon writing. The last thing I want to do on Monday morning after preaching a sermon is go study for my next sermon. Yeah. Because you know you've come off the mountaintop in a sense. You you know how long that climb took to get to that finished product. The last thing I want to do is start the climb again. Exactly. But if I don't hit base camp by yeah. Monday afternoon, I am hurting for yeah. the rest of the week. Yeah. And, 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 and so there is no better time to start, even though it's the last thing I want to do. Yeah. No, that's good. And, and that is related to uh, Proverbs 10.5, He who gathers in summer is a son who acts wisely, but he who sleeps in harvest is a son who acts shamefully. It's, I can do it later. Yeah. You know, the procrastinator's creed. Um, you know, I'll put it off. It, it'll be better. It'll be easier later on. If it wasn't for the last minute, I'd never get anything done. Exactly. <laughs> I think another thing to look at for diagnosing sloth is, do I need someone to help me get going. You know what I mean? Uh, Proverbs 12, 24, the hand of the diligent will rule, but the slack hand will be put to forced labor. The reason the hand of the diligent will rule is because diligence leads to freedom. It, it shows you can discipline yourself. You don't need someone over you. You, but, but the sluggard always has to have somebody who's telling, okay, now, now can you do this? Now can you do that? And so it's different between autonomy and freedom that people who are lazy lose their freedom because they won't get anything done otherwise. One of the great indicators of that, I think, is what people do in their retirement. Mm. Yeah. Because yeah. for so many people, their productivity was governed by these external forces. Yeah. I had a boss, I had deadlines, I had those. And that's a beautiful structure to help you live. Yes. And But if you never cultivate it yourself, the minute you remove all of those deadlines and barriers and scary things, you have no idea what to do with your time. Exactly. You've never actually learned to be diligent. Right. And, and to me, that's one of the great kind of positive externalities of spiritual disciplines and learning to pray on my own, read my Bible on my own, is I just develop diligence. Yeah. And, and so I learn how to use my time well when it's my time to use. Exactly. And at some point, you're going to have more time on your hands. Yeah. And you've got to cultivate that discipline now yeah. in terms of knowing how I'm going to use my time. Yeah. Uh, otherwise, you become a slave to inactivity. Exactly. Because you're so habituated to someone else always having to push you to work. Yeah, it's a great point. It's a great point. It's like the, uh, the, the 
the uh, Marine who um, makes his bed, gets everything shipshape every morning, and then when he leaves the Marines, it, he becomes a slob because those that never became part of his character it was always external motivation. Yeah, you got to work on the internal. Um, I think another sign of sloth is do you fail to finish things you have put time and energy into? <laughs> um, Proverbs 12, 27 says, A slothful man does not roast his prey, but the precious possession of a man is diligence. Hmm. Solomon describes the hunter who goes to the trouble to go out and, and kill something, but then the, he lets it rot rather than going through, smoking it and, and preserving it. Um, Proverbs 12, 24, 30 through 34, I passed by the field of the sluggard and by the vineyard of the man lacking sense. Behold, it was completely overgrown with thistles. Its surface was covered with nettles. Its stone wall was broken down. When I saw, I reflected upon it and looked and received instruction, a little sleep, a little slumber, a little folding the hands to rest. And then your poverty will come as a robber and your want like a, an armed man. So, so through sloth, the hunter loses the game he, he, he found. Uh, through sloth, the farmer's land becomes unprofitable. It's just, it's, it's, you, there's a lot of waste going on. The hunting example is so good because yeah. if you've ever hunted anything, it is an enormous amount of work to yeah. kill anything. Yeah. And you think about it, the ancient world, how hard it is. And yeah. then you let that thing rot that you yeah. invested time into. Oh, yeah. yeah. It's, it just it doesn't make any sense. No. And yet, you know, so many of these huge yeah. things we sink time and energy into and don't finish, we've done the same thing. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's good. I think one other, one other thing I, I thought about, or actually two other, um, one is... Are you ruled by your appetites? Um, Proverbs 26, 14 says, As the door turns on its hinges, so the sluggard in his bed. And Proverbs 23, 20 through 21, Do not be with heavy drinkers of wine or with gluttonous eaters of meat, for the heavy drinker and the glutton will come to poverty, and drowsiness clothes the man with rags. And so the mm. whole idea here is that by indulging your physical desires, it basically makes you drowsy it makes you weak it, it you you are unable to carry through and what uh, you're making those small soft choices and those small soft choices are destroying you because they're robbing you of the energy you need and the focus you need to to get the job done you need yeah you make the habits then the habits make you exactly That's... yeah yeah little i just need a few more minutes in the shower uh, another hour or so of sleep one more drink one more serving one more program, um, whatever, and and pretty soon we are totally ruled by our bodies, yeah. rather than ruling our bodies. Good. You said you had one more. Oh, I have one more. Yeah, and this one is, is, uh, and I, and I just was thinking about this today because it's one I struggle with right now, and I'm struggling more, more and more, and that is just, um, uh, is it difficult for me to be in the moment? Proverbs uh, 17.24 says, Wisdom is in the presence of a man who has understanding, but the eyes of a fool are on the ends of the earth. And I begin to see, I, I, have to, I will shift into passivity sometimes. I will just get, you know, rather than being aware and alert of what's going on around me, sometimes I just fall into passivity and, and, and do not take the opportunities that God gives me. Um, or I, you know, I just, I'm not, I've got to just veg out for a while. And I've realized that's just a form of sloth. 
that I'm not really controlling myself at that point. I'm not really controlling my mind. I'm letting my flesh take over. So I think that's another form of sloth. So I think after that list, probably everyone listening, including me, says, there's a, there's a little sloth in me. <laughs> yeah. and, and, and maybe I have more in common with the sluggard in Proverbs than uh, I care to admit. Right. But I think that's helpful yeah. to say, just like these other dirty deeds, uh, all of us, to a degree, succumb to laziness yes. at times. And so how can we work at being more diligent and growing in it, understanding it's a skill? Yeah, productivity is a skill. You you're constantly working at this to to master it. Yes, and just as little concessions yeah. got you into this place, it's going to be little habits, little shifts that help you to not be unfruitful with the time the Lord has given you. Yeah, and that's the big motivator to me to overcome this. Yeah, is so much modern writing on productivity focuses on efficiency. Right. Right. How, how can we get the most things done? Do yeah. more, yeah. better. I would say a biblical view of productivity says, how do I leverage my life in the most effective way possible to do a few things and get as much traction in as I can exactly. in the things that really matter? Yeah, yeah. And, and so with that as the goal, then, then how do I start to build habits that overcome? So, so I live a life that I can look back on um, and be pleased with, because I think that is one of the, the big regrets in people's lives, is they go, why did I spend my time that way? Yeah, yeah. I did not spend it on the important things. And often it's because of these little concessions you've made throughout your life. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I think, I think that leads into it. You have to figure out what are the small, hard choices I need to make. Um, and and uh, give you an illustration for me, because I'm, I'm now working on this... Uh, going on automatic pilot sometimes, um, um, one of the things, habits I'm trying to develop right now is greeting every person I come in contact with, not ignoring people, but just, you know, even if it's just to say hi, but to see where that goes, but just, that's a small thing, but that everybody I come in contact with, I'll say, hey, how are you doing? You know, just to, to show them interest but also to see where that will go. Well, that's a small decision, but it's gonna it it's gonna be a while before that becomes a habit. But I know if I don't do that, it is building a habit that are reinforcing a habit there that I just am withdrawn and and not engaged, which is not great for a child of God. Yeah, it's really good. So that's why I think it's just a. The way you build habits is you've got to figure out what's the habit I need to build, and it's got to be bite-sized enough that I can do it and do it consistently and well. One of the principles that we've talked about often on this podcast, and it's from James Clear, but it's a really important one when it comes to diligence, is that a habit cannot be improved until it is established. Right. And, and so you have to establish a baseline of what you're doing before you can get better at it. Yeah. And so much of diligence is just learning to be consistent with little things. Yes. Just consistent with little things. And I would say, start with your morning routine. And if you can get a morning routine that, that helps you make the right decisions, uh, a lot of right decisions at the beginning of the day with a lot of little actions, you can stack that onto the rest of your day yeah. to be diligent. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You start, you, you, the way you start the day is the way you'll end the day. Exactly. Yeah. And, and so for me, it's, I know how much Bible I'm going to read. I know what I'm going to pray through. And it's small enough that I can expand it if I need to, but I know I'll get it done. Yes. I yes. know I will make my bed. 
I know I will floss. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I know I will check a few things off my list in terms of good habits I want to build. Yeah. All of that can be done in about 30 minutes, or I can expand it with the devotional time to an hour and 30 minutes, depending on how much time I have. But I have already checked off about six or seven boxes of my day yeah. to know I got these things done. Yeah. Oh, and I woke up on time. Yeah. That's the other one. I woke up when my alarm went off or before it. I did not stay in right. bed. Right. So I would say the more that you can routinize your mornings, because that's the time that you usually have the most control over, exactly. the more likely it's going to set you up for the, the end of the day. The other thing, I, the big thing I would say, you talked about sleep and always needing more sleep, but the biggest thing there is, is go to bed on time. Yeah. Now, I was going to say that, that I think, I think the first habit for your morning is, is start your morning in the evening right? And, and go to bed early enough so you get enough sleep, so you'll get up refreshed. Yeah, and ultimately, that's an act of humility, yeah. uh, of saying that, that my, my body needs this. Yeah. God's created my body to me. I'm going to submit to the Lord yeah. and, and just do it, even if I feel like I don't want to go to bed or I don't want to start winding down or whatever. Yeah. Um, yeah. And it, it's a discipline. It so, um, and, and I think the larger issue here is we're saying that we are spirits embodied. Yes. That our bodies have a lot to do with our spiritual life, our intellectual life, our social life. And so that controlling our bodies is absolutely essential. And uh, just as there are habits of sloth that have to be broken, there are habits of diligence that have to be, made, have to be built because our bodies are habituated. They are creatures of habit. And they will tell us to do what we've taught them to tell us to do. Yeah. But the, the encouraging thing about that is those habits can be changed. Yeah, they can, but they're going to be changed little by little. Yes. And here's the trap I think a lot of people get into with productivity is we talk about so much about passion and dreams in our culture that people think they're going to have this epiphanal moment where they get a new passion for life. Yeah. And then they're going to get so much willpower in that moment that they just, their life changes. Yeah. And what we don't realize is that willpower is a limited commodity. Yeah. You only have so much willpower to give every day. And then you're out of energy. You're out of motivation. And it's just because you live in a body and your body's finite. You only have so yeah. much passion to exert on things. Yeah. Yeah. And so, you know, the other thing that Claire says is we don't rise to the level of our aspirations. We fall to the level of our systems. Yeah. And, and so you're never going to get there just by being inspired to be a more productive person. Yeah. You have to create a system for your life that, that sets you off in the right direction. Yeah. Another thing I would say about productivity, and Claire talks about this too, is for big projects that you know you need to get done, create commitment devices that mm. help you get them done in a timely manner. That's great. Uh, so for a lot of us, especially if we're doing mental work, where we know we have to produce something from the mind, right, as a product, uh, it, it can feel like we have an infinite amount of time to do it, and yet we know we don't. So for me, right, with sermon writing, my commitment device is the elders are going to get my manuscript <laughs> on 4 o'clock on Thursday afternoon, no matter how good or bad it is just because I have to have some device where I know I'm accountable to turn in that work yeah. and so that I don't let it become too unwieldy. Yeah, so that's great. Any, creating artificial deadlines is another really helpful one for productivity. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I think along with that, I was trying to find I, what you said triggered something in here, but I can't find the verse right now. But it's the idea that, that joy, really, joy does not come from getting the job done. Joy comes from doing the work, yeah. the actual doing of the work. And, and, and uh, getting the job done is just a, 
a sidelight that oh, I don't have to worry about that anymore. But the real joy comes from living a responsible, re- productive life. Yeah, not being a slave to your passions. And not being a slave to your passions. Yeah, overcoming your passions. Yeah. And so the more you see that, uh, it changes your goals. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, there's just tremendous freedom in it. Yeah. Because yeah. you're not living under the tyranny, the urgent, the tyranny, the deadline, the tyranny of, oh my gosh, this thing has to happen, this thing has to happen. You actually create margin in your life yes. when you're diligent, when you plan ahead. And it's a beautiful way to live yeah. because then you actually have time for people yeah. and you can linger and you're not constantly assailed with all of these things you know you have to do in your mind. Exactly. And the more diligent you are, the more unburdened you'll be yeah. in that way. Yeah. yeah. The, the big picture thing I'd say as we wrap up here, as we start to wrap up is, is like, you just don't have as much time left in life as you think you do. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and I'm not just talking about the, oh, you could get hit by a bus tomorrow, right? Because that doesn't help you be diligent. That's like, oh, I'm going to get hit by a bus tomorrow. Okay. <laughs> right. But, but like, like for me, you know, I'm, I'm, uh, you know, I'm almost 40, but it's like, I got 2000 weeks left. Hmm. 2000 weeks. Like that's weeks go by really fast. Yeah. I got 2000. Um, that really helps me. To, to think, you know what, I don't need to do everything in life. Yeah. But I do need to do a few things really well. Yeah. And I'm happy to limit myself to be diligent about those. Yeah. Yeah. Because I want to be happy with my life when I'm 95. Yeah. Yeah. More than what I care when I'm 45. Yeah. And, and, and keeping that big picture perspective is yeah. really important. Yeah, that's good. That's really good. You have anything else to say? I have nothing. Me neither. <laughs> But you know what I know? Oh, Max has something to say. How does the gospel work into this whole thing? I know you guys aren't preaching We're not even talking about the gospel. This is just life hacks. It's a self-improvement <laughs> process. And that actually is the danger in talking about productivity is we can get very kind of life hacky, uh, you know. And, and there obviously is a lot of biblical wisdom about this. But yeah, how does the gospel work into productivity? It enables us to be, co- be productive. Yeah. Because if I'm a slave to my body, I'm a slave to my sin, the sin that lives in my body. Right. Um, I can't do this. But if I'm, if because I've been born again and the Spirit of Jesus lives in me and he is committed to making me like himself, and he was able to pray at the end of three years, Lord, I've accomplished the work that you gave me to do, yeah. then no matter how much time I have left, he is going to give me the the ability to accomplish the work he's gave, given me to do. I just need to keep my keep that in mind and keep keep working away. Yeah. Yeah, and if Jesus was single-minded in his pursuit of me, I should be single-minded in my pursuit of him. Yeah. And if he despised the shame of the cross, consider the joy of gaining me. Right. I should despise the, 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 the passions and all the things, the encumbrances that weigh on me living a productive life yeah. to go pursue him fully with the very limited time I have yeah. so that I can reap a reward in eternity. Yeah. Yeah. Because bodily discipline has benefit for this life, but discipline and godliness has benefit for this life and the life to yeah. come. Yeah. And so the gospel, Jesus' work for me motivates me to work for him uh, from an identity, not for an identity, but also the blessing of serving Christ in this life has eternal returns on a temporary investment. Yeah. Yeah. And and that to me is, Max, if you're going to talk about gospel motivation, I don't know any better motivation than that uh, to hear the well done. 
Um, so yeah. uh, we got to get Max and Mike here eventually because he'll, uh, you know, th- th- that'll be helpful. He'll be able to fact check us and rein us in and do all of the stuff while he's producing. No, it's interesting show. that Jesus says to the to the uh, in the parable of the of the talents, um, he says, "You wicked, lazy slave to the bad slave." <laughs> And, uh, and, so, and and what's interesting about that, getting yeah. into the God, this is why every podcast could be five hours. But <laughs> is is that he thought Jesus was an austere master. He yeah. did not have a right view of the kindness of his master, yeah. and so he actually was protective with his stuff that yeah. the master gave him, yeah. rather than trying to be as productive as possible, right? Uh, because he knew he had a kind master, right? Uh, who would reward him amply. Exactly. And, and that's where the gospel motivation comes in, that, yeah. that even if it feels like we fail in diligence, that we try things and we fail, well, I'd rather fail at the right things than succeed at the wrong things right. in life. Because I think that even if it feels like a failure, right, these great projects that undertake for the Lord, Jesus is still going to say, well done. Yeah, exactly. Be- because you took risks with the time I gave you to yeah. leverage it for my purposes. That's yeah. the, the kindness of Jesus in evaluating my life is my motivator. Mm-hmm there, to take risks, to be as productive as I can for the kingdom, That's because good. he can reward better than anybody can yeah. reward. And often, if I'm protective with my time, it's because I just don't believe that he's as good a rewarder as the gospel yeah. reveals him to yeah. be. And that is the gospel motivation, Max, and we got around to it finally. And now, because we preach the gospel, we can land the plane on the podcast, <laughs> just like a good sermon. you got to end at the gospel. So, Dad, thank you. Thank you. It's time to get some work done. All right. <laughs> this was work, but some more productive work, Dad, because mere talk leads only to poverty. That's right. Right? As the work of Proverbs says. So we're going to go do some more work. Hopefully, you will go be productive with your day now, listeners. Uh, have a good day. We'll talk to you again soon.